in our modern day society, a lot of us have this belief that our partner has to be everything to us. Yeah. They have to be our, our soulmate, our best friend, our adventure partner. They have to go shopping. Like we expect our partner to be everything and they simply can't. That's not humanly possible. Welcome to the Find Your Strong podcast. I'm Jennifer Van Barneveld Pay, president of Strong Fitness Magazine, founder of Team Strong Girls, and fitness coach turned fitness publisher. Each week, I'm going to give you a thought or an interview of how to build stronger bodies, stronger minds, and stronger relationships. Getting to where I am now has been nothing short of a journey of the ultimate highs and the deepest of lows. I've had my fair share of setbacks, near bankruptcy, an eating disorder, and multiple miscarriages. You name it, I lost my way time and time again. But through it all, I uncovered my purpose, which gave me the perseverance to find my strong and stay the course. I've spent more than 15 years coaching women, and I know that fitness is a vessel to help you feel strong, confident, and empowered in your body and your life. If you're looking for inspiration and motivation, you've come to the right place. You are not going to want to miss this. Today, we are thrilled to have a very special guest with us who is an expert in the field of relationships and has dedicated her life to helping individuals and couples navigate the ups and downs of love, intimacy, and connection with her no BS approach. Dr. Morgan Anderson is a renowned relationship expert author, and speaker who has helped countless people around the world transform their love lives. Welcome to the show, Dr. Morgan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to connect with you and I know we're going to have a great conversation, so I can't wait. I am really excited as well. I want to dive into some thought-provoking, insightful conversations about the secrets of a successful relationship and also overcoming, you know, common relationship challenges, you know, not all, no relationships perfect. I don't know if you agree with that, but (laughs) it's, they're not perfect. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I I completely agree. There's no perfect relationship. Um, we, We can definitely talk about that, but yeah, if it's perfect, then there's probably you know, people are not being honest, right? No honest relationship is perfect. I love that. I love that. It's so true. Like I, I was just telling you before we pressed record that my husband and I have been married for 10 years now together for, oh my gosh, like 16 years, which is crazy. Almost 17 years. (laughs) And, you know, we've, we've had our ups and downs, you know, we've, we've Mm -hmm. had challenges with, adapting to having children, you know, being together single, like, you know, without children for seven years and then having kids was, it was definitely, um, a moment that we had to work on together. But before we get into all of this, I want to know what inspired you to become a a relationship expert? Yeah. So very early on for me, I knew I wanted to be a clinical psychologist, just even like I was like seven years old. And I just knew like, okay, I just want to work with people. But then in terms of being able to focus on relationships, it happened for me, I was in my second year of graduate school. And I had just gone through a history of toxic relationships just over and over and over 
it was, you know, the emotionally unavailable person. I was always chasing that. And in my second year of graduate school as a clinical psychologist, so I'm, I'm studying, you know, how to have great relationships and all this, but it didn't matter. Um, I ended up dating a narcissist for about a year and a half. And it was, it was terrible. Well, it was, I was love bombed for the first six months. So it was a great relationship for about six months. Um, but then eventually it just became a living nightmare and I really hit rock bottom, honestly, after that relationship and just getting out of it. And I made the decision. I cannot do this again. I cannot Mm -hmm. continue to have these kinds of relationships. It's hurting my mental health, my physical health, my family life. I was isolated from my friends. It was destroying my life. So it really was just a turning point for me to say, I'm going to throw myself into the research of healthy relationships. And I devoted my career to understanding attachment theory, the science behind why we do what we do in relationships, went into my own healing, you know, went to my own I went to a therapist for the first time, which is so funny because therapists are the worst. Like you never want to go to a therapist as a therapist, but I went (laughs) and did my own healing work. And here I am. I mean, it's been over a decade now since that. And I really learned how to heal myself, heal the relationship with myself. And I'm in a wonderful partnership. We're going on two and a half years and um, I'm so now I just get to help as many people as possible heal. That's yeah. amazing. I'm I'm such a believer in we go through things so we can help other people. Like our strength, our struggles become our eventual strength. Yes, yes. And so you, okay. So I just want to dive a little deeper into like this narcissist. How do you, how do you know somebody's a narcissist? Yeah, that's a great question because the term gets thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there, there's definitely some some signs, but if you are being verbally abused in any way, if somebody is like uh, emotionally abusing you, saying hurtful things to put put you down. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is like the isolation piece. Like they mm. don't want you to have other relationships. They're trying to control you and get you away from your friends and family. A narcissist also will will do things to get you to, um, oh gosh, they will do things with the intent of using it against you later. So like, hey, I gave you that purse, you know, and now you owe me blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of different signs, but really, if you're being put down, if you're experiencing being controlled, those are some, some signs that you're with a narcissist. Absolutely. What do you consider to be the most common issue that couples face in their relationships? So what's really interesting is the ones that come to mind are, you know, money, sex, raising children, time spent together, those kinds of issues. And I would say at the core of those surface level issues is your attachment. It, do, do you have a securely attached bond is usually at the core of those things. But on the surface, you know, you're fighting about the dishes, you're fighting about how much money is being spent, if you're not having sex, et cetera. 
But a lot of that stems from there's some insecurity in the attachment with your partner. Mm. And what does that stem with? Like, what does that stem from? Would it be like childhood and, and experiences that you've had leading up to this relationship? Yeah, I I love attachment theory research. I could go on for hours, but just to sum it up, it is your early childhood experiences and then any significant relationships. So past romantic relationships, but it's basically your blueprint for what a relationship is, mm-hmm. is your attachment style, right? Of, okay, this is how I get my needs met. Um, this is what a relationship looks like. This is what I could expect. And when we are not able to feel securely attached to our partner, it can create a lot of conflict in the relationship. Because also, I just want to add, like, also, if we don't have secure attachment, our communication is really impacted. Mm. So that's part of it. Without a secure attachment, I can't communicate openly, honestly, directly to my partner. And that's just going to create so many problems. So how do you know your attachment style? (laughs) So I have a book uh, called (laughs) Love Magnet. That's one way um, I go in depth in the book. I also have a free quiz because I wanted people to understand that you can have all these different styles. You're usually a percentage Okay. of each mm-hmm. one, right? So you so you might be 50% secure, 50% anxious. But there's a there's a free quiz that I made. It's the link in my bio on my Instagram page at Dr. Morgan Coaching. Go take that quiz. It'll give you some Yeah, insight. we'll include the link in the show notes for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. But yeah, I'm so glad you asked that. That's the first step, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we have to have the awareness. You are going to have so much help in creating secure attachment, when you understand what your attachment style is and what your partner's attachment style is and how the two of those work together, that's, that's the first step is just that awareness. Is there like an ideal attachment style or is it like everybody's kind of everything goes, it just depends on your relationship and maybe the other person's attachment style. Like how, what would be ideal? I mean, is yeah. yeah. So in an ideal world, we would all have a secure attachment style okay. where in, in with secure attachment, we say, okay, my needs matter. My partner's needs matter. I can tune into myself. I can tune into my partner. I can set boundaries. I can ask for what I need. I also tune into what my partner needs. I value relationships and I value my independence. Right. So in an ideal world, that's how we would all show up. Um, But people can come to a relationship, let's say with an anxious attachment style or an avoidant attachment style. That's common. Those two are attracted to each other because they fit the beliefs that they have. Um, So anxious avoidant, as long as both people want to create secure attachment, right? Like both people are like, Hey, we value this relationship. We want to feel, you know, secure together. And they both want that. You can work on co-creating that together as a couple. That's awesome. Yeah. What it, it would codependency fit in? Is that, is that an attachment style codependency? What is that? So 
I love these questions. I love, I love it. You're, you have the best questions. So codependency, this is if you're anxiously attached and anxiously attached is where you value your partner above yourself and you have that deep fear of abandonment with anxious mm-hmm. attachment. So people with anxious attachment styles love codependency. They fall into codependency because they get to sort of merge with their partner and it helps them feel reassured. But you and I both know it is not sustainable. Like it it does not work for the long term. But that's kind of what the anxiously attached person craves is having that merging of of two people. And so and- how how can like a couple maintain a healthy balance between, you know, a t- togetherness in the relationship like that, you know, bond where you are doing things together, you're connected, but also yeah. have independence as well. I'm so glad you're asking this because this is a topic I love. And the t- term I'm going to tell you, and you might've heard this is called interdependence. Okay. So we have codependence and then we have hyper independence. Both of those are not good. If I'm hyper independent, I have avoidant attachment and I'm like, I don't need anybody. I can do it all myself. I'm not going to ask for help. Interdependence is what you're describing where you say, okay, I can depend on myself and I can depend on my partner. I can maintain the relationship with myself. And I can maintain a great relationship with my partner. And honestly, this is going to sound so tactical and kind of simple, but I feel like you'll appreciate this. One of the best ways to really do this is to schedule out time with yourself and time with your partner to be thinking about how can I fill up my cup? How can I take that ownership of, hey, my joy is my job. I'm not looking to my partner to create my joy. My joy is my job. But then how do I also co-create joy with my partner and create that that beautiful connection with my partner? And this looks like I I can look at your calendar and tell you if you're doing this or not. That's awesome. Yeah, I was just going to say, because it can get hard. You know, it can get really tricky if you have kids and, you know, you both have careers or jobs like that can get super tricky so is there any tips around that you know um you can use me as an example <laughs> we we have two kids one of our one of our kids is really busy in tennis so we're often doing that every single night you know one of us is bringing him to tennis one of those is with the other um now there's tennis tournaments on the weekend and we have uh-huh. we we own two companies together so what what would the advice you give me and really anybody that has young children and full-time careers, most people in their forties, you know, um, what, how, how would you do that? Like, how would you, what's a good, what's some good advice around scheduling time for each other and time for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, is that this does get hard at different seasons in your life, right? Like the one that you're describing, of course. And I think the first thing is to talk about it with your partner is to say like, Hey, I really value connecting with you, making sure that we have time to really deeply connect. Cause we know that time together is not always quality time. 
mm-hmm. you can be with your partner and you're both in bed and you're on your phones and you're exhausted and it's not quality time, yeah. right? So even in those little moments throughout the day, maybe you're, you know, brushing your teeth together in the morning or before bed, how can you make room for actual quality time and connecting um, and just expressing that it's the value that it's important to you? Um, So it doesn't always have to be the weekend away together. You can find just even those little moments in the, in the day. Um, and, And I do think even just 10 minutes of quality time of being present with one another, like, how are you really doing? Like, what's going on? You know, those little moments go a long way. So there's going to be seasons where maybe you don't get to take those weekend trips and you just, you have those little moments, but prioritize them. Mm, That's a great tip. And I don't know if this is something that you do, but are you familiar with love languages? Like maybe getting to know what the other partner, because we're all different. Like we're all completely different. And for, for, I can just speak with my own experience with even having children, you discover the difference between each other even more because it was like how he was parented and how I was parented. Now we're all kind of coming together and there's, wow, like there's differences or there's differences in the way that, um, you know, he might feel appreciated. Whereas I have completely different views on how I would feel appreciated. So how do you like, is there a quiz on that? Like, how do you get to know <laughs> what your partner appreciates more and, and then get them in tune with what you love and appreciate more? Oh, I love this so much. So people always ask me, what's the difference between attachment styles and love languages mm-hmm. and your, your love language, when you know your partner's love language and you know your own, it helps you create secure attachment because it helps you feel seen and understood and valued, which helps create secure attachment. So you do want to know what your love language is to create that secure attachment. And I know there are quizzes on this. The five love languages, Gary Chapman, there's a quiz on the website of his. You can definitely take that. But I do think you kind of learn from experience. I can tell you right now, my partner's is acts of service, totally not mine. But like, I made the bed for him this morning. He's like, oh my gosh, you made the bed. I love it. Like, you know, I'm like, okay, mine is quality time, words of affirmation. And he knows that about me. So we've expressed that we've taken the time to share with each other what our love languages are. And then you can kind of like gather the data on your partner and just see like, how do they respond? when I show up for them in certain ways and how do I start to learn what's important to them and how do I take that extra two minutes and make the bed just because I know it's going to really mean a lot to them and help them feel secure. That's great. So Gary Chapman has a, has a quiz on. Yeah. Know your love, love language. Okay. Absolutely. The book is good too, but yeah, you could take the quiz and, um, and I think it's also important to realize like all the love languages are great. They're just mm-hmm. prioritized differently for all of us. So we have ones that are at the top. Great to know. Great to know. Okay, guys, I have to share something super exciting. The Easter Bunny is just around the corner. And that means the limited edition diesel chocolate cream egg protein powder is now available 
for a very short period of time. So you got to jump on this. It is so good. I literally just mix a scoop, sometimes a scoop and a half with water and it tastes good just like that. It tastes exactly like a chocolate cream egg. So you've got to get your hands on it. It's made with New Zealand whey. It's about 26 grams of protein per scoop and it's delicious. If you want your own tub, click the link in the show notes below and use my code JVB to save 20% off. How do you recommend couples resolve conflicts? So this is so important. We have to be able to move through conflict and come out the other side and be Mm -hmm. a stronger couple. We have to, because conflict is good. Conflict actually, that's the first step. Change your relationship to conflict. You have to start Mm -hmm. seeing it as an opportunity to grow with your partner when I was a couples therapist, if I would see somebody and they said, Oh, we haven't had a fight in seven years. That's what I hear. Like some people say that they're like, we never fight. It's like, how is not a good sign. It's a bad sign. It's a bad sign. It means you're disconnected. Mm. So I want people to first realize this conflict means you're connected to your partner. Okay. And then the, the next, yeah. And then the next step is how do you move through it so that you grow as a couple And I I teach all of my couples something called dialogue. And it's a communication framework for for navigating conflict. And it's where you have a sender. So you have one person who's expressing how they feel and what, what they felt. And then you have the receiver. And the receiver is just going to validate that person's experience. So if I was sending, I would say, I felt hurt when you were 15 minutes late, the receiver cannot say, oh, but the work, blah, blah. All the receiver can say is, I hear that you felt hurt when I was 15 minutes late. Mm. This is how we move through conflict in a healthy way where people actually feel heard and understood and you slow down the conversation and you, you take turns. One person's a receiver, one person's a sender. And I, I do teach this in the book as well. Mm-hmm. And, and if you can really learn dialogue and apply it to your relationship, it is, it is a complete game changer. So when you're receiving, are you just saying, I hear you, but are you apologizing? You don't necessarily have to apologize or is it right. an apology? So and and I love doing this live with couples because I get to go through all of it. But you you actually don't apologize until the end. So you go, you switch roles back and forth. And then you would go into the problem solving mode. But this is what most couples do. They go right to problem solving. So they skip feeling heard and validated and go mm. right to problem solving. We make sure that you feel heard, understood. And then at the end, it's what do I need in order to repair this, right? Like the solution, talk about the solution, Mm -hmm. but a lot of couples want to jump right to that. And it just doesn't work. Oh, that's, you know what I was just, I was actually just listening to a podcast today by Meg Meager on um, parenting. And it was a very similar thing because often as parents, we're just like, you know, no, that that's just no. And you have to do it this way. We're not actually solving any problems there. We're not actually like asking them, you know, 
just asking them how they're feeling or, you know, coming up with a solution with the children. It seems, it seems like it's very similar to marriage as well, right? Like instead of like going right to the problem solving, listening to each other, taking that time to connect and listening to each other is so key. It really is. Yeah. Now, okay. I might, this, this is kind of, um, maybe an awkward question for, for maybe not for you, but maybe the listeners, because, um, we, I have a coaching business as you know, and what I've seen a lot of is, you know, women stepping into their own, you know, creating that time for themselves. Maybe it's a body transformation, but it's, you and I both know it's so much more than just like the physical body. Like they go through so much through taking care of themselves, pouring, you know, making sure their cups filled first and, you know, feeling really good. And what I have found in, you know, since coaching 2000 from 2012 is like, sometimes women find that they're so clear in what they want in their life after a body transformation that they realize that they're not in the right relationship. And I don't know if you've seen that before, or if you can give some advice around that, but a lot of, and listen, I, I don't even, I don't give any advice here. I say, you know what, you have to figure this out on your own. You got to talk to a therapist, but a lot of them are, you know, how do I end this relationship? Like what advice would you give someone who is considering ending a long-term relationship? Because they're just not on the same page anymore. They're not feeling fulfilled by this partner and they've finally just realized it. I'm so glad you asked this. It's really important to talk about. And when we are learning to show up as our highest and best self, and we're really clear on our Mm self-worth and we're clear on our standards and, you know, we, we step into the version of ourselves that, you know, we know what we want. It's absolutely normal that there would be some shifts in who you're attracted to yeah, um, and what you really desire out of a relationship. So I think I would say, start with just not ignoring it. So start by acknowledging those feelings that you're having and really getting clear on what are the things that are mine? What are the things that are important for me to change in my life? Like what what do I need to work on for me? Is there a career change I need to make? Is there something that's mine that I need to work on? And then what's ours? Mm. What's the thing with my, with my partner? Sometimes we can confuse those things when, when we go through a big change. So I would have you just slow down, look at that. And then it's this invitation of, do you, do you see yourself growing with this person? Are they able to grow with you? I think we kind of owe it to ourselves to give the invitation for growth. And, you know, you're, you're modeling it for your partner. You're saying, Hey, I've grown. This is how I've done it. You invite them to grow with you. And then you gather the data on, can this person grow with me? Do I feel how I want to feel in this relationship? Does it, does it meet those standards of how I desire to feel in a partnership after I've invited them to grow? And if it doesn't, then it is that conversation of, Hey, this is no longer meeting my relationship needs. I essentially have grown in a different direction, right? And you're going to do more damage if you stay. 
at that point. And you really owe it to yourself and you owe it to that person to say, Hey, you're a good person. You're not a bad person, but we're, we're simply not compatible, Mm. but slow down and do those, those other steps first. What's mine. What's ours. Give the invitation for growth. Notice how you feel. Do I feel how I want to feel? And then really evaluate, can this person grow? And the other thing I would say too, is like in our modern day society, a lot of us have this belief that our partner has to be everything to us. They have to be our, our soulmate, our best friend, our adventure partner. They have to go shopping. Like we expect our partner to be everything and they simply can't. That's not humanly possible. So also ask yourself the question, are there just other relationships that I need? Do I need a good group of girlfriends to go to the gym with now? Like, do I, maybe I don't need to put that onto my partner and I can get those needs met elsewhere. So experiment with all those things, but ultimately be honest with yourself, trust your gut. Don't stay in something that's draining energy. Our, our partnerships do need to add value to our life and support us. I love that. I love that because you know, so many times where, you know, if you want to make a big change in your life, whether it's, you know, fitness, nutrition, uh, career change, sometimes you can seek, you, you want so much support from your partner, or you want them to completely understand the entire process when, you know, they didn't make that decision. So I personally feel as long as they're supporting you in some way, you don't have to expect them to come on the ride with you 100%. Like you can look into communities. Like when somebody comes yes. and transforms with the strong girls, like we're, we're a community of like-minded women that you can be part of and have that void filled, hopefully, where you don't have to put all that pressure on your partner. Because if you're putting that pressure on your partner right away, like they might just like be so resistant to it because again, that wasn't really their, their choice. Absolutely. Yeah. And and that's why communities are so important. Like yours, you know, like mine, we, we need communities because it, we, we need to feel like people understand and get us and we feel seen and they understand the changes we're making. And that's, that's not always your partner who's going to come alongside you on that particular journey, but you're right. As long as they're cheering you on and they're supporting you and they're like, Hey, I want you to do what's right for you. As long as they're showing up that way, that's beautiful. And hey, they might join you. A lot of times, Mm -hmm. instead of telling our partners what to do, we need to model it and give them six months, you know, like, like let them see the change and then they'll join you later. Yeah. That, that often happens a lot in our community too. Like the husbands are like, wow, look at the changes. You have so much energy. I want to do this too. I always say actions are caught, they're not taught. And I usually say that with children, but it's true for our friends and our family and our partner as well. Like when they see you thriving and it's a positive experience for you, they, they may jump on the bandwagon with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can couples maintain intimacy and a strong emotional connection over time? You know, because in every relationship that we says it's not perfect. We have you know, many challenges like work, stress, financial difficulties, maybe some health issues. So how do you maintain that intimacy throughout everything? It's 
Such a good question. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I just went through a cross-country move with my partner. We moved from Florida to Montana. Oh, wow. And it was this, it was just this huge process. And I, you know, one of the things that really helps couples when you're just going through life, you're going through changes, is just to communicate about it. Just to say, like, hey, I know we haven't got as much time together recently. I know that we've been stressed. I want you to know that I'm aware of it. And I, I want that time with you. I'm missing that time with you. So I often find that just by speaking it and getting it out there, it helps you move towards more intimacy. We get in trouble and this is so many couples. Okay. We get in trouble when we're not vocal about it. We're not honest about what's going on. And you end up going through the motions, right? And like, yeah. you're just doing your day to day. You're like ships in the night. You're not actually connected. Then you start to say, is it me? Did I do something wrong? Are they no longer attracted to me? You yeah. come up with all these narratives. So that's why it's like, no, just speak it, acknowledge it's happening. And then just brainstorm together. How can we spend more time together and create more space for intimacy and sometimes the question is, how do we reduce some stress in our lives? Like, how do we get in a less stressful environment so that we can feel like we have the energy and the capacity to connect because stress kills intimacy. And uh -huh. we, we just have to acknowledge that, like you have to create an environment that allows you to feel present and loving and, you know, wanting to be with your partner. Would you recommend like a specific time to maybe carve out in your day? Like, I know you were saying like, even when you're brushing your teeth, but would you say that like 10 minutes a day of just kind of like debriefing on the day or your feelings or whatever, because I've noticed that like, when we're going through a really stressful time. Like I won't bring anything up because I don't want to like cause any sort of commotion and have extra stress. But then what happens is it builds up and then, you know, some stupid fight happens because we haven't really communicated yeah. over yeah. a period of time. So, and I'm all about prevention and like everything in my life. So what would yeah. be like the recommended, and maybe it's different for everybody, but would you suggest maybe like 10, 15 minutes a day? Yeah. So there's, there's research on this, that like people are different in terms of when they're more open to these moments of connection. So I think every couple is different. Personally, my partner and I have a rule, no phones in the bed. Mm. I know like everyone listening is like, oh my gosh, how is that? How am I going to be able to do that? But this rule has made our relationship so much better. And just spending, spending the time before we go to bed to just connect and talk about how we're feeling and what's going on for the next day. It's just kind of like, you know, if you had a team, you would just check in on like, okay, how are things going? What, what's going on tomorrow? Like just that check-in time before yeah. bed for us without the phones. And also like, instead of watching that next episode on Netflix, like get in bed a little earlier and save some of that energy for your partner. Right. Um, I have found that that works well for us. Some couples, they do this over their morning coffee together. That works well for them. But those daily connection moments are important. And yeah, you 10, 15 minutes, that's all you need. I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> I love it. Right oh my now. gosh. Yes. 
I'm going to check on you. I'll be like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Check on me. Hold me accountable. What do you think are some of the most important ingredients for a successful long-term relationship or marriage? So you want to have two people who realize that their joy is their job. They understand that they're two individuals, that they're not expecting their relationship to create their happiness for them. That's really foundational. And then you want two people who care about supporting one another and creating that secure emotional base Mm. so that you're there for one another. If there's something challenging that you can tune into your partner and, and be there and help them feel supported and that you commit to that. Um, and I, I honestly believe that two people who prioritize some laughter, some fun, some, some joy, right. Creating that shared joy and positive experiences. Um, I could go on and on, but one other one that I think is really important is ownership. When both people can take ownership for their roles and they're using I statements instead of you statements. Mm. Um, And all the research points towards couples who express what they need and they repair quickly. They have an argument and they learn how to repair quickly and move through it. Um, That's going to be really helpful. And don't criticize each other. Mm-hmm. If if you're if you are critical, it's not helpful. So instead, it's hey, this is what I need. This is what I'm feeling. So really, just learning how to express what you need so that your partner can hear it. We mm-hmm. can't hear criticism, right? We get defensive. So express what you need so that your partner can hear it. Yeah. Cause you might think that you're communicating, but if you're communicating like, Hey, I don't like when you do this, you always do this. Like that partner is actually not hearing what you're saying. Right. They should shut down. Yeah. yeah. You could yeah. be speaking to a wall. Like, you know, just, <laughs> you have to, it's the, I, I always said like, it's the communication sandwich. Like you have to learn how does your partner like their sandwich? Like you have to be able to communicate so that they can actually take it in. I love that. And I love the I I feel like what's really important and it's, you know, been a constant between our relationship is having fun and laughter. I mean, I feel like that's so important. Um, you know, and if you don't feel as though you're having fun, like do something that excites you, like go to Wonderland for the day with your partner, like have, have that fun connection. Um, cause I feel like that can heal a lot of things too, you know? Yeah. I'm sure you've heard people talk about like you have a relationship checking account and you got to make deposits. You got to have those fun times together, like intentionally create those shared moments where you have joy and you're connected. Absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. I think all of our listeners are going to get so much from this episode. Where can our listeners connect with you? Um, again, I'll include all your links in the show notes. But where yeah. can they connect with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this has been so good. I feel like we talked about a lot. So mm-hmm. you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And then my podcast, if you want to learn more about attachment theory, that's what I talk about a lot. It's called mm-hmm. the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. Awesome. Um, two, two episodes every week. 
Yeah. Those are the best. Those are the best places to connect with me, but I'm just so grateful to have had this conversation with you. And I love what you are doing. You're helping people so much with that part of your joy is your job. Like the work that you're doing of helping people connect to themselves and create their health and those routines. Like it's so, so important. Thank you so much. It was, it was such a pleasure chatting with you today. And I'm sure we will chat again soon for sure. I'm hundred percent positive of that. So thank you so much, Dr. Morgan for taking the time and we'll chat with you soon. And that's a wrap on another episode. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I just love being able to share these strong stories and thoughts with you. And I hope you were able to take away a piece of inspiration from today. If there's one favor I could ask, please keep sharing, post a screenshot, share a direct link with a friend, or post a review and help spread the word so more people can tune in and find their strong. And if you ever wanted to subscribe to our Strong Fitness Magazine and get the physical copy mailed to your doorstep for more inspiration and motivation, I will include the link in the show notes and please feel free to use my Strong Girl 3 discount code to save. Guys, I cannot wait for the next show. I'm Jennifer Van Barnabelle Pay. Take care and stay strong.